0: We are privileged today um, to um, welcome a guest speaker with us today. His name is Jesse Comrie. Uh, Jesse and I met a few months ago. We had lunch, and we were talking a little bit about his background and what God has done in him. Um, I'm not going to tell you a whole lot of his background except to say what he's talking about today is the transformational power of Jesus. And that is a truth that every one of us needs to hear, experience, and share. Um, so Jesse's going to be here this morning. He's got a great history um, of God's faithfulness in his life and how the new Jesse looks different than the old Jesse. Um, rather than welcoming him to the stage first, I'm going to invite you to watch this quick video, and then he's going to come up to the stage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning. It is wonderful to be here today. I've just had a blessed morning, man. You guys have an amazing worship team. What a powerful time of worship. I told the first service, I said, if you didn't enjoy that worship, I want you to take two fingers. I want you to put them on your wrist right here and check if you have a pulse because you might be dead. But it's awesome to be here. I've just, I've gotten to know Pastor Paul a little bit and just have a, a great amount of respect for you, Pastor Paul. And And just what God is doing here is just so exciting to see. And it's exciting for me to just be able to come for one day and be a part of it and worship God with you this morning. So thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm excited to share what God's doing through global renewal around the world and what God's done in my life as well. And my prayer this morning is that as I share what God has done in my life and what God continues to do around the world, that as I share that, that that you would just have a renewed and refreshed excitement for, for, for the power of God, for what the gospel really is, for, for, the, for the life-changing power of the gospel, that that beautiful message, the Bible says in Second Corinthians 5 that he's, that he's entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation. How many of you know that's a huge thing to be entrusted with? And sometimes we forget how beautiful of, of a ministry that really is, that we get to take this message into the world to people who are far away from God, who are dead in their sins, that we get to bring them this ministry of reconciliation, this message of being, of being made a new creation and being reconciled to the God of the universe. That is a beautiful message to be entrusted with. And I, and I pray that we never lose the impact of being entrusted with that ministry, amen? So my prayer today is is just for a refreshed and renewed focus on the gospel and and on the Great Commission, on the Great Commission. How many of you guys know that's your purpose? (sighs) I heard a preacher say, he said, if you were just saved to go to heaven, then you would have disappeared when you prayed the prayer. But you're still here because you have a purpose. Because God has a purpose with you on this earth, and he wants to use you to reach lost humanity. I get people who come up to me all the time and ask, hey, can you pray for me? I want to find out what my purpose is. See, what they really mean is, can you pray for me? I want to find out what my profession is. <laughs> because we confuse purpose and profession, right? Your profession is not your purpose. Listen, if you want to be a doctor, that's great. Be a doctor and make disciples of all the nurses right? If you want to be a contractor, be a contractor and make disciples of all the people who work for you. Your purpose is the great commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's your purpose. That is what the, the, every single member of the body of Christ, that is your purpose. It might look different for you than it does for me, but that is your purpose. Amen. So that's my prayer this morning. And before I get to that, before I get to the message, uh, how many of you guys, you guys know what spoken word is? One person knows. That's good. I'm going to teach you. <laughs> so one of the things that I do is, uh, is is Christian hip-hop and spoken word. If you look on the screen, that's actually my newest CD, uh, Don't Be Scared. <sighs> I know it has a skull, and I know skulls are like the symbol of everything that's dark and everything that's evil. That's the point, right? So I wanted the the, the cover to preach the gospel before they even heard the CD. And if you look closer at the cover, you'll see that everything outside of the cross is dead. Everything outside of the cross is darkness, and it's only through the cross of Jesus Christ that you see life and that you see light, and that is the message of the CD. That's the message of my life, and, uh, and so that's why there's a school on the cover, but I want to do a spoken word for you guys today. This is off the new CD. I have them on the table, by the way, um, as you leave. They're by donation, but I want to do it. You guys want to hear a spoken word? Yeah? All right. The spoken word is called, I thirst, Okay, gather around. Just listen for one minute, sir. I'd like to take a second and tell you two simple words. See, these words perfectly describe my life's problems since birth. Every fight in my life comes from two little words. These words describe the answer to the question of why. The problem of addiction is defined in two words at one time I thirst. I thirst. See, these two words hold so much power. These words are the reason that drugs are devoured. It's our lust after power. It's why men purchase sex for an hour and leave a human being there to cry in the shower. I thirst. See, me, I remember this sensation. Demanding pleasure now, the opposite of patience. This crazy sensation that I was born innate with like windows on Dell came with pre-installation and I ate it. Relations with women never seem to quench this thirst. And when I put my hope in people, man, it just left me worse. It's like I'm riding through life, driving my own hearse. Living for a high or to die. Whichever came first, I thirst. I thirst for acceptance. Acceptance. I thirst after something, and the thirst is relentless. I don't know what I search for, but the search is just endless. And the more that I try, the more that I'm desperate. Desperate for life, desperate for meaning, desperate for anything that seemed to complete me. So from weed, to mushrooms, to LSD, from cocaine, to pain pills, to ecstasy, I and mean, when I promised it would never get the best of me. But it left me empty, dead, and addicted to everything. I thirst. I'm just saying, man, I searched for the cure. There was no way to tame it because this thirst that just burned was a thirst for my maker, for a love relationship, to know my creator, for the presence of God, for the love of a savior. I thirst. And I didn't know at that time, but that savior was Christ. And see, he took this thirst when he purchased my life. And as he hung there bleeding, mocked and despised, he said two little words to help explain why see these words did not just describe a physical sensation. It was the first time my savior felt the pain of separation. When my Christ said these words, it was a spiritual revelation of the pain that billions of people every day are faced with. He was separated for the first time in infinity. And the only pain that broke him was the same pain that was killing me. But see, he took this thirst when he bought my forgiveness and as he died, he looked up at the sky and he whispered, I thirst. I give up my spirit. It's finished. Thank you. Thank you. All right. If you, I want to pray because I need Jesus this morning. Amen. I need Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you, God. Father, I thank you for what you did in the first service and what you have planned for this service, God. I thank you for every single person who is here today, Father, who you love intensely, God. And Father, I just pray that you would begin to move in this service, that you would begin to move in the hearts and the minds of every individual here. That you would open their eyes, that you would open their ears, that you would open their hearts to hear and understand the the true power of the simplicity of your gospel, God. Hmm. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. Thank you that you paid the price so that we don't have to be thirsty anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So you guys want to hear my testimony? My testimony is that I am 100% perfectly loved by God. That's it. My testimony is that I'm his son. That he gave me a spirit of adoption as a son by whom I can cry, Abba, Father. That's my testimony. My testimony is that I am a co-heir with Christ, that I am 100% forgiven, justified, and accepted by the King of Kings. That's my testimony. My testimony is that I am a 100% on fire, born again, spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. That's my testimony. (laughs) See, I used to be a drug dealer. That's not my testimony. See, I have multiple felonies on my record. I've been incarcerated three times. That's not my testimony. Because what I want you to understand, when I say that's not my testimony, I think some of us get our testimony wrong. Right? When the Bible says in Revelations they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, it's not saying they overcame him because they used to be idiots. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> Your testimony is the identity that you have in Christ. It's the identity that Jesus gives you. See, I was an addict. I spent years of my life hopelessly addicted to all sorts of drugs. I was high on multiple drugs every day, all day. That's not my testimony. Because I actually was, a, I was talking to someone about AA. And, and I don't, there's something I don't like about AA. And it's that you have to, every single meeting, you sit there and you say, Hi, I'm Jesse and I'm an addict. Right? I was court ordered to it. I had to go for a long time, right? But I don't like that because what I want you to understand is that nine years ago, the addict died. (laughs) And that life has no has no influence on the identity that I have today. So that's not my testimony. You want to hear my testimony? I was dead. Jesus died, and now I'm alive. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Listen, the gospel is not a 12-step program. It's one step. The gospel is, is, is incredibly, beautifully simple. It's so simple that a child can understand it, right? And in fact, it's so simple that only a child can understand it. <laughs> I was actually, I was in Uganda recently, and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that. We were having a crusade, and I had to rebuke this older church lady because I was, we were doing an altar call in the crusade, and all these people were coming forward, and and all these children started coming forward, and this lady came out from the church and started sending them away. I said, sister, what are you doing? She said, they're just kids, they don't understand. Oh, oh, righteous indignation, (laughs) I said, woman of God sit down. <laughs> and I called all those little kids back forward, right? Because we get in that religious mindset, right? Where we think, you know, oh, oh, this kid, he can't fully understand. So he can't be saved or he can't be baptized. Or Is that what Jesus teaches? Doesn't he flip it on his head, right? Doesn't he say that unless you become like them? Hmm. There's a story that I love in the gospels. It's, it's when the 12 disciples, they had gone out and they were healing many people and they were doing amazing things and they were preaching the gospel. And, and so they were feeling pretty good about themselves at that point. Right. And so they come back and they come to where Jesus is and they're sitting in a circle and they're literally sitting there arguing about who's the greatest. (laughs) It really shows how little they had understood at that point. Right. So then they have the genius idea. Let's ask Jesus. Jesus. Like, they say there are no stupid questions, right? So they ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, which one of us is the greatest? In other words, what they're asking is, Jesus, you have 12 options. There are 12 disciples standing in front of you right now. Out of us 12, who is the greatest? Jesus looks at him. He doesn't like his options. <laughs> so the Bible says he, he, there was a little child standing off to the side, and he took him and he placed him in the midst of them. Now he has 13 options. He says, this kid, he said, unless you can become like this kid, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Because children have this amazing way of being able to just receive, don't they? (laughs) I was just on vacation with with my parents and my family. I have have an incredible wife. I have two kids. They're heading home from vacation right now. I headed down here. So, I was on vacation and, and when, I, when, when my mom is around my daughter, my daughter's two, my son's seven months. So when my mom is around my daughter, she gives her like six presents a day, <laughs> right? And it's terrible for me because then I have to totally retrain her for like three weeks after that, that she doesn't get six presents every single day, but she gives her like six presents a day. And, and the amazing thing is, is that my daughter just so joyfully receives, like she doesn't have that thought that we have, like, what did I do to earn this? You know what I mean? And that's what we have to be able to come to as children of God, to be able to just receive the power and the truth of the simplicity that Jesus paid the price for everything. When he said it's finished, he meant it's finished. That the entire price was paid for you to be a new creature. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and behold, the new has come. And that is the message that we have. Right? That is the message that we get to take to this world, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed. It doesn't matter whatever shame you feel in your life. None of that matters because Jesus paid a price to set you free. That's the gospel. And it's a really good message. I met Jesus my third time in prison. I was only in for a few weeks, but, when, but my original crime was so severe that when I violated probation, they'd send me to prison rather than jail. So I was in for a few weeks in prison and my cellmate invited me to go to the chapel with him. I had nothing better to do. (laughs) So I went to the chapel with him and I was sitting in the chair and, uh, and, and no one talked to me. No one prayed for me. No one laid hands on me, nothing like that. But there was a worship band they were playing music and I was sitting there and I began to think, listen, I, I don't want this life. Like, I don't want the drugs. I don't want the money. I certainly don't want jail, right? And as I was sitting there thinking that, all of a sudden, I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit that wrecked my life forever in the best way possible. Like, the Holy Spirit, like, hit me like a truck, right? I mean, it was just, I could feel the power and the presence and the love of God coursing through my entire body. And 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 the crazy thing is, when I felt that presence, I realized that's what I had been searching for. My entire life. As soon as I felt it, I knew that every high, every high that I chased, every drug that I took was a cheap imitation of the joy that I was meant to find in that presence. And I said, Jesus, if that's you, I want you. And I dropped to my knees in a prison chapel. And I gave my life to Jesus. I was on my knees for about 20 minutes. I totally forgot where I was. It was kind of a bummer when I opened my eyes and remembered. But no, really, like, th- that was the first time. After, when I got up, I was a different person. For the first time in my life, I was still in prison, but for the first time in my life, I was free. I had a new heart. I had a. I mean, it, people thought I went crazy, right? Because before that, I was, like, out on the yard selling cigarettes and doing stupid stuff that you do while you're in prison, right? And after that, I'm, like, on my bed, like, reading the Bible, praying, smiling, talking to people. They're like, don't talk to Jesse. He went nuts. <laughs> But, but man, I was new. I was new. I was born again. And so my life changed very, very rapidly. Two weeks later, I got out. And within one year, I was in Bible college. Not only was I in Bible college, but I was elected president of my class in Bible college. Okay, I got a 4.0. Now, you have to understand that this is coming from a guy who, in high school, I got a 1.0 GPA not 1.1, 1.0, okay? And then Jesus just radically transformed my life and I was one of the top five students in my entire college. Like that's Jesus, okay? (laughs) Like that's only only Jesus can do that. So I was in Bible college and uh, yeah, and before I go on, a lot of people ask me, why did you change so quickly? You know, because that's not everyone's experience, right? And first of all, I understand that God works individually with individuals, right? I get that. And I understand he works at different paces with different people. I get that. But there's one thing that I did that I don't see everyone doing, right? And, and and I travel the world. I get to see the church in different countries, and I get to see the strengths and weaknesses of the church in different places that I go. And the, 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 one of the, struggles, I won't say a weakness, but one of the struggles of the church in America is that it doesn't cost very much to be a Christian in America. Especially in in like central Pennsylvania, right? (laughs) Like like it's still socially acceptable to be a Christian. It doesn't cost much. And so what you end up having when that's the case is that you have a lot of people who have added Jesus to their lives but I've never actually surrendered. That's the only thing Jesus needs is surrender. He doesn't need your gifts. He doesn't need your talent. He doesn't need anything else. He needs surrender. Show me the scripture in the Bible where Jesus says, add me to your life. Show me the scripture in the Bible where Jesus says, I want to be part of your life. Jesus says, come. He says, if you try to keep your life to yourselves, you'll lose it. But if you surrender your life for my sake, you'll find it. He says, surrender. That's the only thing I did. Listen, he did everything else. The only thing that God needs from you is surrender. And if you will come to him and surrender everything, it is amazing what God will do with your life. The reality is, is that God will probably not call you to go to Africa tomorrow, right? He he wants you in your workplace. He has you there strategically, right? But what if he did? It got quiet. What if he did? Would you go? In other words, does God own your life? When you came to Jesus, did you surrender or did you just bring him in? If you will surrender everything to God, it is amazing what he will do with your life. Listen, if you think that being a Christian is boring, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So anyway, so I was in Bible college. That's where I met my wife. I have, I married the most incredible woman on earth. Sorry, ladies, you might be second but she's first. I met her. We fell in love. We fell in love actually doing weekly street evangelism. People used to make fun of us. They'd say, oh, you're going evangelizing, but we really weren't going evangelizing, so we fell in love doing weekly street evangelism, and we got engaged, and two and a half years in, we went on a missions trip together to the nation of Germany, and when we got to Germany... <laughs> The pastor who had invited us to come sat us all down as a group. And and here comes the the great pep talk, right? So he sits us all down together and he says, listen, don't expect anyone to get saved. This is not America. (laughs) Thanks, coach. (laughs) We were fired up then. (laughs) But the funny thing is I had already led someone to Jesus at the train station outside of the airport. So it really didn't affect my faith. But but long story short we were in this we were in this town for 2 weeks and 60 young people came to Jesus. I mean they were having I mean they were having visions they were having encounters with God they were being healed it was an amazing time. So after that 2 weeks we sat down with the pastor and we basically said like what's your follow up plan? And his response was well, I didn't expect this to happen. In other words, I don't have a follow-up plan. So we started praying and fasting, and really, we just we had such a burden for these kids. So my wife and I just started praying and fasting and saying, God, send someone. That's a dangerous prayer. So the Lord spoke to us. He said, you guys go. And the crazy thing is, is that he gave us a date. He said, you're going to go January 15th. Now, remember, this was August. Okay, so that was like five months away. So we said, okay, the first thing that we have to do, if we're going to move to Germany together, we have to get married. So we moved up our wedding. We planned our wedding in two months. We got married. And then we had three months to try and raise a budget to live in Germany. If you know anything about raising a budget as a missionary... It doesn't happen in three months, right? So people were coming to us, they're like, listen, guys, it's impossible. Slow down, right? Go in two years. I'm pretty sure that they were like setting up prayer chains for us to come to our senses. <laughs> like, and, and I remember thinking, like, I know it's impossible, right? Like, if anybody understands that it's impossible, it's me, okay? But I came to a point at that place in my life where I said, Listen, I could be wrong. Right? I understand that. I could hear wrong, I'm human. And if I did hear wrong, I will fall on my face and I will fail. But I would rather fail by trying to follow God's voice than fail by ignoring it. So I said, we're going. My wife was all on board. We're going. So three weeks before we were supposed to leave, we still had nothing. Not one pledge. We had enough money from our wedding to buy one-way plane tickets to Germany. So we bought one-way plane tickets to Germany for January 15th. We had not one $20 pledge, nothing. The good thing is, is that I had been a Christian for like, like three or four years at that point. So I knew like four pastors I could call. So, so that was the good thing. So I called those four pastors and then I had no idea what else to do except pray and fast. So I was just praying and fasting. And I remember this one day, three weeks before we were supposed to leave, where I was on my knees all day praying and fasting and just crying out to God saying, God, you got to do something because I don't know how this is going to work. And that night, everybody called me. Everybody called me. People called me from Germany. They said, we have an apartment that you can live in. People call me from America. We want to support you with this much a month. We want to support you with this much a month. We want to support you with this much a month. To the point where the next day, someone came to the house. My wife's preschool teacher showed up at the house and said, God came to me in a dream last night and told me to give you $1,200. God raised our entire budget to live in Germany in 24 hours. we lived in Germany for four and a half years and we never once came close to running out of money. We planted a church in that town. We we got a building before we were even ready. God gave us a building. We renovated it. We bought the sound system. We bought the furniture. We bought everything. I still can't tell you how that's possible, but God, God did it. And so now if you go to Bopart, Germany, there's a church right on that train station where, where it all began, where, where those first kids got saved. Hallelujah. So about a year ago... <laughs> About a year ago, I passed the church off in Germany to a German pastor, and he's been, he's been doing amazing. They've actually grown since I left. They're even bigger than when I left. So praise God for that. And, and I came back to take over this ministry of global renewal. When I came back, I kind of thought that the first year would be like laying a foundation, you know, making connections, getting the budget where it needs to be, kind of all that. And it would be kind of a slow start. No. God always blows my expectations out of the water, <laughs> so this year has been absolutely incredible. I've been overseas several times. We, I've been to India. I did a project in India where we rescued, where we were working with girls who were rescued from sex trafficking. We set up a uh, like a. Uh, education center for them. We bought them computers to learn for school. We bought them sewing machines to learn to trade, all sorts of stuff. I've been in Kenya where we have a school that feeds 300 kids, two meals a day and gives them a Christian education. We also did some revival services in Nairobi. Um, I've been in, in Nepal twice, which is super exciting. I'll talk about that in one second. And actually just a few weeks ago, I got back from Uganda and that was an amazing trip. So actually we have a picture. If you go to the next slide, so, this is what we were doing in Uganda. This is a crusade that we were having in the biggest refugee camp in the world. This is, the big, this is a camp called Bidi Bidi in northwestern Uganda, and it has five zones. And just in zone one, where we were, was 500,000 South Sudanese refugees. So, the UN actually gave us permission to go into this camp and have a crusade in the middle of the camp. How many know that's a miracle? So we got permission from the UN to go into this camp. So I'll share, and it was amazing. Many people got saved. Many people got delivered. Amazing, amazing time. I want to share my favorite testimony from the trip, okay? So... We were having the crusade, and I was preaching, and and it was an amazing time. And other people were preaching as well. So while one of the other guys was preaching, I went out into the camp and began just to minister to people individually, and uh, and so I was praying for the sick and doing stuff like that. When I came back to the crusade, this armed guard with an AK-47 hanging at his side runs up to me. He says, "I'm born again," with this. With this huge smile on his face. And I I was taken off guard. I said, that's amazing, brother. What were you before? He said, I was a Muslim. But now I'm born again. And this was one of the people who was just there to guard the crusade. And God got a hold of his heart. But the sheer joy that was on his face, I don't think I'll ever remember. I don't think I'll ever forget. (laughs) I'm telling you, forgetting that that spoken word in the beginning threw me off. (laughs) But God is good. God is good. And so we were doing that in the evenings. And then during the day, we would go into the neighboring town, which is what I'm really passionate about. And there's a neighboring town called Yumbe. And now if you know Uganda, it's a really reached country, actually. It's like 90% Christian. But this town of Yumbe is almost totally Muslim. It's the only place like it in Uganda. So it houses a tribe called the Aringa tribe. It's the only unreached people group in Uganda. So we went into this town during the daytime. We're just doing evangelism on the streets. And so we drove by the, we were driving by the central mosque and I saw these two guys walking and I said, Hey, stop, stop the truck. I want to talk to these guys. So I rolled down the window. I started talking to these two guys, and one of them was a Muslim. And I began to share the gospel with him, and, uh, and he was a little bit defensive at first. But I said, listen, can I just pray for you? And he said, yeah, go ahead. So I prayed for him, and I felt the Holy Spirit like crazy when I prayed for him. So I looked at him and I said, you felt that, didn't you? And he just looked kind of shocked, right? So, and then a big crowd started gathering. And So I was preaching the gospel, um, standing up on the truck, preaching the gospel to all these people, passing out Bibles. But this guy never left my side. And so finally I looked at him, I said, you want to accept Jesus, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. And so I led him to Jesus right there in front of all these other Muslims, right in front of the central mosque in Yumbe, Uganda. Um, and, and this other Muslim girl who was there also joined in. It was a beautiful moment. I actually have a, a picture of him. If you go to the next slide. This is the first Muslim I got to lead to Jesus in Uganda. <laughs> So God is doing amazing things all over the world. We actually, just in April, we launched a church in Kathmandu, Nepal. This is a young pastor that I've been mentoring for the last year, just over Skype, meeting with him every week, teaching him different things from the word, teaching him different things about team building and just practical things as well. And so he's, he just rapidly grew. And so we just actually went in April to launch his church in Kathmandu, Nepal. I have a picture of the opening service. This is the opening service of his church in Kathmandu, Nepal. There were over 700 people at the opening service of the church. <laughs> so God is doing amazing things in Nepal as well. And if you have any other questions about the ministry, I'd be happy to answer them for you if you just stop by the table on the way out. Um, I want to I invite the worship team to come right now, though. And I just want to end with a time of prayer, with a, with a song, and just a time of, of reflection as well. You know, earlier in the service, I was, I was doing that spoken word. It was, it was called, I thirst. And, and obviously, you guys are smart. You know that I wasn't just talking about, like, wanting a glass of water, right? Like, I was talking about something deeper. I was talking about an inner longing, this spiritual emptiness. Jesus talks about thirst several times throughout the New Testament. And every time that he talks about thirst in the New Testament, he's using it to draw a parallel to a spiritual longing, right? Emptiness. Deep spiritual pain, thirst. There's a story where Jesus is is walking through a town and he sees a woman who's sitting at a well and he goes up to the woman at the well and he says, give me something to drink, right? And the Bible doesn't actually tell us that she gives him something to drink. She just questions him. And what does he say? He says, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He goes on to say, anyone who drinks of this water, meaning the water of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Listen, maybe you're here today and you heard what I said about the gospel and this beautiful life-changing power of God that the Holy Spirit literally comes into your life and you're born again, you're given a new identity, you're made a new creation. And maybe you say, man, I want that in my life. Listen, maybe this is your first time in a church building or maybe you've been coming to church for years, but you've never really made that choice to surrender. I wanna give you a chance today that no matter how you came in here this morning, how thirsty you were when you walked in those doors, I believe that God is here and he's ready to quench your thirst. We all stand to our feet. Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would move in this place this morning. Right now, that you would just speak to people's hearts, God. Listen, if you're here today and you say, I'm thirsty. You know, I believe everyone on earth is born with that thirst and we try to fulfill it in different ways. Some people try to fulfill it with the next promotion, the, the, the pay raise, the nicest car. Maybe people think that a spouse or a significant other will fulfill that thirst. For me, I turn to drugs. But the reality is that there is nothing on this earth that can quench that thirst. It is only a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is only being reconciled to your Father in heaven. That's the only thing that can quench that thirst. That is the message of the entire Bible. If you don't believe me, I want to tell you the last promise of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. In Revelations, the last promise of the entire Bible says, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. So every every head bowed, every eye closed If you're here today and you say I'm thirsty, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to encounter what he was talking about, where I'm given a new life, where the shame, the sin is washed away and i am made a new creation. If that's you today, you don't have to leave thirsty. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus right now. If you're here today, you say, I'm thirsty. I want you to just lift up your hands and we're going to pray. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. You don't have to be ashamed. If you're here today and you say, I'm thirsty, I want Jesus to come into my life today. Lift up your hands high. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And this prayer basically just says, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I want to surrender to you today. I want you to come into my life, quench my thirst. We're going to pray that. And I want to invite everyone here to join in. We can give our new brothers and sisters some support. Amen? Say, Jesus, I believe that you are God and that you died on a cross for my sins. I know that I need forgiveness. And I ask you to forgive me today. Come in my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Quench my thirst. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, as we just sing this worship song, I just believe that God is just going to move in this place. So I encourage you, wherever you are, make today the day that you build an altar and say, I surrender everything to God. Amen. Let's sing.